With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Let's get this show Started, shall we? Or should I say party? You know what I mean. I know, I know this audience waited a long time for this show. We don't need to wait. Why don't we get them out here right now? Why doesn't Malachi Black come out here right now? Put on his face. Tony? Stop talking. Stop talking. July the 7th, Malachi Black came into our life. He has systematically destroyed every one of us. He used me to get to you, but it's your fight. The first time he totally destroyed you, you start taking your boot off. What's that all about? We didn't talk about that. You come back for number two, I got this. You finally get him hurt, what do you do? You roll out of the ring to see about me? To hell with me, it doesn't matter, it's not about me. You should have finished that fight. Here's some differences though, Cody, that's gonna prevent you from going one inch any further. Malachi Black is an assassin, he's a predator. He will do anything in the world to win a match and destroy the man that he's in there with, that's Lee. That's Brock. And just the fact is, I would step in and take the fight, but I'm just too damn old. But I'll tell you what, there's two big differences between you and I, Cody. You pull up to a red light, a man jerks your door open, says, out of the car, I'm taking your car. You say, okay, take it. Just don't hurt me. You know what I do? I pull out the Glock, put it on his forehead, and spill his brains all over the concrete. I'm Arn Anderson, and all that that implies, and I'll be damned if I'm going to coach a loser. Come on with me, Lee. At least you listen to me. Wow. I drum it here, fellas. For 40 years. High drama for 40 years? I don't think so. But, you know, that was some high drama on the latest edition of the Brody Lee Tribute on AEW Dynamite, which I will delve into as, well, I pause for a station identification right here on Wrestle Radio Network Weekend.
this thing on? Yeah, hit me with that AEW. Okay, so AEW Dynamite took place in Rochester, New York. Brody Lee's hometown. Enough of the formalities. Let's get right into it, shall we? So CM Punk comes out to a warm welcome from the crowd and joins the commentating team. And right off the bat, you see Jungle Boy versus Adam Cole. All I can tell you is these two have the same personality and during the match, the athleticism shown between Jungle Boy and Adam Cole, especially the Poison Rana by Jungle Boy was pretty damn amazing. Adam Cole hitting every move under the sun. But it took a low blow, you know, to beat Jungle Boy, and I'm just going to say it. Adam Cole's got the, probably the best, you know, wrestling personality going on today. And he wins one, two, three, despite the referee, Aubrey Edwards, not being able to call what she can't see. And um, let's see here. There's a little bit of past the mic in AEW, and it was uh, <clears throat> the Elite with Carl Anderson, Matt Jackson, Omega, and Brian Danielson came out and said maybe if Kenny had the time or the balls to face me again, that'd be great, but he didn't care who he faced. So Brian Danielson challenged uh, any member of the Elite to a match on Rampage. So, Brian Danson, you know, he's going to confront the Elite, whether they liked it or not. And then uh, he didn't come alone, so he brought <laughs> Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Christian Cage. Actually, they didn't bring him. He, they actually ran on their own accord and saved the day for Brian Danson. And then you hear Omega say, that wasn't part of the deal. All right. Then see uh, Matt Seidel and Dante Martin versus Cody Rhodes and Lee Martin so match was very back and forth Lee Martin's very very athletic a lot of high flying maneuvers a lot of flippy flippy shit and Lee Martin actually ends up getting the pin, and afterwards, that's that, that promo you heard at the beginning, Arn Anderson telling Cody, there's a difference between you and me, because he mentioned Malachi Black after the match was over. I don't know why. That's like beating a dead horse. If I was uh, Cody, I'd move on. But Arn Anderson was saying, if that were me, I would have taken Malachi Black to a whole nother level. But that's the difference between you and me. I'm tired of coaching a loser and walked out with Lee. Or shoddy Lee Johnson, sorry. So um, he said the following. If it were me, I would have pulled out the Glock, put it on his forehead, and spilled his brains out on the concrete. That was an intense promo after the match. Let's just say that, folks. And it was a pretty cool moment for AEW, if you will. 
And then John Moxley, Darby Allen, Sting at ringside. Yeah, Eddie Kingston, Moxley, blah blah blah. They ended up getting the victory with a double, you know, suplex, powerbomb combo. One, two, three. Eddie Kingston gets the win, right? <clears throat> then there's a Matt Hardy promo. You had Orange Cassidy and Dark Order versus Matt Hardy office, if you will. House of Hardy. All right. And you had a Leo Rush promo. And to be honest with you, this guy goes in and out of retirement and professional wrestling a lot. I have no interest in his career, folks, so I really don't care. And then there was a promo for Hikaru Shida versus Sarita Deeb. Oh, in the Dark Order match, before I before I touch base with uh, the rest of AEW Dynamite, Dark Order was a bit in disarray, and then Amanda Huber came out and said, hey, get your shit together, take some pride, and get your asses back in that ring. And then they did, and there's a lot of combinations. Dark Order ended up victorious. Evil Uno still iffy even after the pep talk so i don't know what's going on with dark order to be honest with you and then penelope ford and the bunny versus anna J. really didn't care for that match i don't really care also there was a promo with ruby soho and Britt baker so weird just calling her soho instead of riot but you know I believe it'd be too soon if Ruby Soho was to take the title off of Britt Baker. thought the promo was done very, very well by, by both parties. So, let's see here. Then you see MJF in the ring. And MJF completely talks down to Darby Allen, basically telling him, oh, you, you really want me to keep going? You really want this? You really, really want this? And so he just walks out of the ring. And CM Punk basically said, you know, it's like every bully that's ever I've ever come across. They talk a big game, but then when it comes time for time matter most, they walk away. They puss out. They didn't necessarily say that in the same tone, but you get what I'm saying, folks. So moving forward, Miro versus Sammy Guevara. For the TNT Championship, Sammy Guevara promised uh, Fuego, his best friend, that if he won the match, not only would he buy him a new car, you know, he'd get him some dignity back, which, uh, you know, it was hard to come by because Miro actually uh, elevated Sammy Guevara pretty damn well. So, it went back and forth. I mean, Sammy took early advantage, you know, stick and move. You know, he's the smaller guy. I like the way this match flowed a lot. It was a great crescendo, very, you know, started off a bit slow, a bit fast, then it picked up the pace, then Miro dominated, then Sammy Guevara made his comeback, a 6.30 splash, and Sammy Guevara ends up with the victory, and he's the new AEW TNT champion, and that, folks, summarizes the whole Brody Lee tournament, but in honor 
of Brody Lee. You know, he doesn't speak that often in WWE, and it's been quite some time since his death. So, um, yeah, I know. So, got to turn the volume down just a little bit. So, while we're waiting, we're going to pause 10 seconds for station identification. Again, right here on Wrestle Radio Network Weekend. Stand by. Bullet Club for sure because that man never really spoke much when he was in WWE he you know was a man of very few words but when he did speak we all paid attention a moment of silence if you will for the beloved Brody Lee gone too soon AEW, during that tribute show, not only did Amanda Huber and her son, Negative One, justice, but I mean, to have some involvement in the show, to be a brief part of the show, to have that show just be completely badass, 
AEW has come a long way from three years ago, and they've signed some big names, and they're making things happen, folks. And despite Brody's passing, I mean, you've seen how far this company has progressed. Whether you love them, whether you hate them, support them, are kind of a fan or are a fan of AEW is the real deal, and they're not they're not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, look who look who's in that organization. You got Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho. You got the Young Bucks. You've got the Dark Order, Evil Uno, Hangman Page. You've got John Moxley, Eddie Kingston. The list goes on. So I mean, I got to switch gears though, folks, and we're going to switch to a SmackDown, a Friday Night SmackDown review, and uh, that show, believe it or not, actually had some good intrigue to it. So without further ado, folks. I do not own the rights to the former theme of SmackDown Live. All rights reserved to WWE Incorporated 2019-2020. All rights reserved Jim Johnson, producer and music song theme writer for World Wrestling Entertainment. Dig it. So the show emanated from Baltimore, Maryland, and it was a sellout crowd. I'm not surprised. I mean, all it really boils down to is this. So SmackDown closed the first round pick as none other than Roman Reigns. So second pick for Raw was none other than Big E. Third pick for SmackDown was the Raw Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair. Now, interesting. So that means, are they going to separate the two, or is Becky Lynch going to go over to Raw? I don't know. This is kind of funny. Okay, so then after that, Roman Reigns came out to the ring. Slow, methodical, normal Roman Reigns entrance alongside, uh, well, Paul Heyman. Then you saw a recap of what happened at Extreme Rules. And I will touch base on that, you know, as I normally do. And I'm going to say Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns was not a bad match. It just really didn't do anything for uh, Roman Reigns. It really didn't do anything for the Demon King. Demon King is no longer undefeated. The mystique is gone. Sail. No moss. 
And then Roman Reigns, of course, cut a promo, and then he said, acknowledge me, Baltimore. He's going to say that every hometown. I bet you they're going to make a t-shirt out of it and make a bunch of money. Anyways, so Paul Heyman basically promoted about Crown Jewel. Then Lesnar came out and beat the holy shit out of Roman Reigns and his cousins. And then Charlotte Flair was interviewed by Kayla Braxton and said, Now, I'm the most decorated female ever on either roster. Then Kevin Owens versus Happy Corbin. Fuck that match. Madcap Moss ended up helping Corbin for victory. I don't know what the fuck going on there, but anyways, um, Happy Corbin hits his move. Instead of end of days, it's happy days. Whatever. All right, so then you had Lynch versus Belair recap, and then the second round started, so you have a first pick of the second round was Drew McIntyre for SmackDown. For Raw, it was RK Bro. For you know, third pick was Kofi and Xavier Woods. Fourth Raw pick was the Rated R Superstar Edge. And the way the rules of the draft, you know, those draftees don't have to go to their respective rosters three weeks from when the draft emanated. So things are about to get interesting. Um, no, some of these draft picks are really not that surprising. Very safe, in my opinion. So, Drew McIntyre is interviewed by Caleb Braxton, and he basically said, no one's safe. I'm coming for that title. And he's referring to Roman Reigns' World Heavyweight Championship. Interesting chiz, folks. Interesting chiz. So then, you see... Edge coming out and calling calling out Rollins, but then Rollins is seen eating an apple inside none other than Edge's home. Haven't really seen very much uh, stuff from actual superstars' homes. And the last one was Randy Orton, Triple H, or actually further than that. It involved Randy Orton, a lot of stuff involved Orton, but this one involves Edge. And Seth Rollins essentially basically sat in Edge's house eating food looking at his little girl's backpacks and so then you see frantic edge on the tron basically calling his wife beth phoenix saying don't stay at the house go to your brothers also you know he said call david and or call daniel and david real names of uh aew tag team FTR, no, no big deal. Just some name dropping here and there. Carmella versus Liv Morgan. Carmella wears a mask and then wins the match. Who cares? In the third round of the draft, featured Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss on SmackDown. Second pick of the third round was Rhea Ripley and almost superhero Nikki A. Here, ASH, third, first Friday Night SmackDown, hmm, hit row. Fourth pick for Raw was Keith Bearcat Lee. And then after that, after that round of the draft, you have the New Day and the Street Profits versus Rude and Ziggler, Otis and Gable. 
New Day and Street Profits win the match based off of how sweet it is with the New Day hitting how sweet it is. One, two, three. Okay, so here. Then the fourth round of this draft featured SmackDown's Naomi, Raw, then gained Ray Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. Third round was Jeff Hardy for SmackDown. Fourth fourth pick in the fourth round was Austin Theory for WWE Raw's roster. Then Hardy was interviewed by Caleb Braxton, got interrupted by Lesnar, and Lesnar said, thank you, you know, thanks to my good friend Paul, Paul Amon. I now get to beat anyone's ass, do whatever I want, because I am now a free agent. Then you see, you know, the screen pans over back to backstage area with Roman Reigns and his cousins. Paul Heyman basically takes his verbal lashings from none other than the tribal chief himself, asking, you know, are you good friends with Brock Lesnar? Do you hang out? You know, if we were good friends, would you hang out with me? And then Paul Heyman claims to be a wise man. He said, wise man. Roman Reigns says, I get to say when you're a wise man or not. And he was pretty pretty vocal about that too. And he wants Paul Heyman to go to Raw to make sure that his cousins get drafted to SmackDown. Can you blame the man? You break those two up. He did break the New Day up. I'm not going to be surprised if WWE actually goes through with keeping them. If not, then this is going to make things hella interesting. So, Becky, let's see here. Bianca Belair versus uh, Sasha Banks Part 2. It's very good back and forth. Um not a big fan of when Sasha Banks returns because there's really no build to who she feuds with, who she wants to uh, start a fight with, you know. Overall, I mean, the match was great. Count A lot of counters. And, of course, Becky Lynch has to come and sit at commentary. And we all know that it's going to end up in a distraction from Becky Lynch holding Bianca's braid. She lets it go, and then Sasha Banks ends up picking up the victory. Then Charlotte Flair comes in and gives big boots for everyone, and she stands tall with the Raw Women's Championship. Interesting, right? Except for one problem. There's two champions on one show. That's not the problem. The problem is everything looks like one big clusterfuck for now. And uh, to sum up SmackDown... It wasn't bad. I mean, I thought it was intriguing. The only thing is the draft. Really just a bunch of safe picks, if you ask me. And speaking of continuous picks, there was some additional drafts on Talking Smack. You had Rock, you know, keeping Nia Jax and Drake Maverick and Reggie. Zelina Vega, though, went there. So then you have Akira Tozawa, the Alpha Academy, R-True, John Morrison, Dewdrop, T-Bar, Apollo Crews, and Commander Aziz. SmackDown then shows Aaliyah. Congratulations for finally getting up to main roster. Storm, Drew Gulak, Mace, Mustafa Ali, and Mansoor. So that, ladies and gentlemen, sums up, in a nutshell, 
what went down on Friday Night SmackDown for two hours. Wow. Pretty badass, right? Oh, and a brief summary of Extreme Rules. Here goes. It's going to be real quick. So this will be a two-minute summary of Extreme Rules. If you will, please. Let's see here. So let's see if I can find that summary. Okay, so they kick out the night. Let's see here. Start off that match. Let's see here. Carmella versus Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan's improving. Carmella kind of had a good role in that match, too. Carmella dominated at first until things spilled out. <laughs> and then Carmella took the – she took the wrap. One, two, three. Carmella went through the announce table, by the way. Liv hits Oblivion. One, two, three. New Day versus AJ uh, – yeah, New Day AJ Styles, Omos, and Bobby Lashley. A lot of miscommunication between Lashley and AJ Styles leads to a victory by none other than Big E. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Usos versus Street Profits. The Usos retain the titles. Raw Women's Championship match Alexa Bliss versus Charlotte Flair. Lily gets ripped into shreds after Charlotte Flair hits. Natural selection one two three. Championship match: Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor. It wasn't a bad match. It just, like I said, it didn't do anything for Roman, and it certainly didn't do anything for the Demon King. Also, <sighs> all right. Extreme Rules wasn't that bad. And yes, that match did include Kendo Sticks, Chairs, and what have you. And that, folks, is the brief summary of Extreme Rules. And now, this is the point in the show where I drop more F-bombs than D-Day. If you have any minors under the age of 18, please listen to the following. The following content contains expletives not suitable for minors under the age of 18. If you have minors under the age of 18, please plug their ears with cotton or any available resource you have to plug up their eardrums from hearing this file that spews forth from Brian Rails' mouth. Off the Rails Uncensored is a trademark podcast that has trademarked the phrase Off the Rails Uncensored on March 7, 2016. Any further duplication, replication, or likeness thereof of Off the Rails Uncensored, punishable by law, and executed to the fullest extent of the copywritten law. A $45 fee will be implemented upon usage, any said usage or recording or similarity or similar show to Off the Rails Uncensored. All reflections and viewpoints are not necessarily viewpoints or reflections on the following companies, AEW, WWE, APGW, Ring of Honor, GCW, ICW, MLW, or any other wrestling company associated opinion from yours truly, Brian Reels. All right, folks. Get ready. Buckle up. You're about to get inside the head. A good old brain rail. Let's do this.
And lately, WWE has been picking up steam because I tend to notice things on the demographics from 18 to 49. You have 678,000 viewers tuning in to watch professional wrestling for WWE Raw. And this is the, com- the competitor, if you will, to AEW's Dynamite. And AEW edged them out by 3,000 views. I don't consider that a dominant performance by AEW, but, you know, if shit is getting better, like the content, yes, things down for still, but there is more action in the ring. There is less past the mic moments, and not only WWE Raw is competing, it's NXT 2.0 with guys like uh, Ron Breaker and uh, ooh, Tommaso Ciampa being your champion on NXT. Uh, elements being added back to. Guys like Bobby Lashley, you now you have the Hurt Business back in business. You know, things are getting a little bit more edgier. If you notice on the pay-per-view, they didn't censor Lashley when he said the word shit. They haven't done that stuff to AEW ever, censoring uh, whatever Cody Rhodes or anyone has something to say in AEW. Censorship kind of makes people, especially wrestling fans, go... Why not just let them speak? Why not just let them fucking wrestle? Well, the demographics for 18 to 49 have always been a high point for AEW. Considering, you know, they don't really hold back from showing any kind of content. And that would be anything ranging from a hardcore match from the women like Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa bleeding on national TV. I mean, that's a rarity for wrestling matches in North America. I'm not saying it's uncommon in wrestling. I'm just saying it's very it's very rare to see certain types of content in professional wrestling between two women. And it was definitely groundbreaking to see that. I know it's been a long while, but having content that makes people want to tune in and watch your product is a key, key thing when it comes to the demographic for 18 to 49. The only thing that's beating out wrestling right now, of course, is Monday Night Football. And it used to be the other way around. Wrestling would beat the ever-living shit out of Monday Night Football and the demographics for 18 to 49. Can you blame people? I mean, we like watching sports. We like watching things that catch our attention. And right now, during this whole fucking pandemic thing, not a lot of people have tuned into pro wrestling, but the key thing that has sparked this war between AEW and WWE is who can draw in the audience and who knows their audience best. Well, it seems that WWE fails on a massive level at certain things, but uh, they're getting better at other things to gain, to draw in that audience, you know, for 1849, it could range anywhere from, what looks like Pier 6 brawls between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, and Lesnar you know, being this uber-strong baby face, which is kind of odd. It 
gives the audience a, something new, a new perspective to look at. Because before, I mean, yeah, WWE is going back to the drawing board of giving fans what we've already seen and what we don't want to see. But now it's found a newfound interest because Reigns is facing a variety of guys, kind of, sort of. Not only Roman Reigns is getting the mix, you've got the New Day. You've got names that people kind of know and are kind of familiar with and i guess that you, i guess you could say those attributing factors are what kind of deters some of the audience members that are 18 years old to 49 because if i had to do my research on how many people actually tune into professional wrestling 678,000 is a lot 681,000 is a smidge more but what it's doing for fans that kind of had lost interest in what they showcase in on TV, on TNT, and USA, it gives us a new sense of hope because, well, me and others, I guess, and Pete the Simpson for that matter, and others who watch professional wrestling regularly, it gives us a sense of hope because wrestling – was so protected back in the day that we really didn't have much to base our fandom off of other than is Stone Cold going to beat the shit out of Vince McMahon? Is The Rock going to get the crap kicked out of him? Or are we going to cheer for The Rock? Are we going to cheer for Hunter? Are we going to cheer The Undertaker? Are we going to boo his ass? There was a lot of shit going on. There was like a revolving door of who would go in and out back then for those Monday Night Wars and those uh, wrestling wars in general, who were we going to see pop up in WCW? Who were we going to see come through the doors or through the curtain in WWE? So to wrap this up, folks, I believe, yes, AEW is still winning the ratings war for reasons because that promo by Arn Anderson, if that doesn't prove anything for you, he was let loose he was able to express how he felt. And furthermore, it gave fans the not disturbing imagery, but the imagery that Arn Anderson is still a badass. And that resonates with a crowd, man. That resonates with a crowd if you tell the truth about somebody that you're not too fond of. And Arn Anderson did that very, very well with Cody Rhodes. To sum this up, folks, yes. There is such a thing called a wrestling, a pro wrestling war going on right now. And the question remains, who is winning this battle? Who is going to come out on top? Because right now, things are pretty neck and neck, if you ask me. And some may disagree with me. You know, some may agree. At the end of the day, I'm enjoying it because wrestling has actually gotten better. Since, you know, the WWE Raw has picked up steam, you know, and only lost out by 3,000 viewers. Still stings, but it's pretty decent numbers. So, there's some wrestling news going on, folks. Nikki Bella was telling media that uh, she was placed on the injured reserve list. Also... 
Vince McMahon was not a fan of Triple H contacting a worker who was an unsafe champion. And that unsafe champion just happened to be Chris Jericho. And what, what really made me laugh was uh, the article basically had cited Chris Jericho not being safe during intergender matches. And not only that, he goes, a potato is a potato. And that basically makes Triple H look kind of bad when he go, went out of his way to contact Chris. And essentially, Vince was not a fan of that because there were some complaints. Outside of that, Finn Balor has been cited as saying he doesn't need WWE. He doesn't want to be, but he also doesn't mind being a part of it, which is conflicting because if Finn Balor ends up leaving, he's probably not going to make much money according to certain people. And that most of the money is where WWE is and resides. Outside on other news, let's see here. During uh, Friday Night SmackDown, Edge basically mentions out loud Daniel and David. And Pat McAfee kind of stammered around and said, Daniel and David, call the police, call the cops. Yes, folks, there are times when people are going to mention their closest friends on live air. doesn't matter if it's AEW, but... It kind of does, even though some people had just notated that Edge mentioned their names on live air. No shame in that. <clears throat> so that's that on the uh, what's happening around professional wrestling, folks. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's not all, folks. Never mind. I lied. So, I found some dirt. Basically, oh, yes, Dutch Mantel was not very empathetic or sympathetic for what Ric Flair portrayed as during the plane ride from hell. So, essentially, Mantel was quoted as saying, that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't shock me. That Ric Flair did what he did. He's been that way for years since I have never been around him fully, but I have heard things. I've heard rumors that he has done, he had done the same thing before the plane ride from hell. So, also, you know, what he said on Dark Side of the Ring, he essentially said, I'm not surprised because these things were happening way before the flight attendant. It doesn't shock me, folks. Like I said, with Dark Side of the Ring portraying Ric Flair uh, to be the asshole, because yes, Ric Flair is a definite, you know, he's a definite asshole. He's a legend, but he's a definite asshole for various many reasons. You know, to sit there and be, poor, you know, portrayed as the villain on the plane ride from hell for trying to uh, hit on an attendant and have her grab. Ric Flair's dick. Also, what he said on Dark Side of the Ring towards a uh, fellow wrestler, or should I say, you know, a fellow compadre of his, or lack thereof. Uh, Chris, I've known you for years, and I'm disappointed in you. And I just, I, I agree with John. You, you're not, any, you're not that good, and you wouldn't cut the mustard, blah blah blah, if you were to come back. 
So in other words, not only is he he a predator, number two, he is the guy that is known as, I believe in telling the truth, but really not that good. Rick, there's no doubt about it that you are one of the all-time greats. And there's no doubt about it that uh, Dutch Mantel really didn't hold back about what he thought of you. Rick's got a mixed bag of reviews. I'm not going to spend the entire rest of my night ranting and raving about Ric Flair. But Dutch Mantel basically said it the best. Are we shocked that this happened with Rick? I mean, the dude's been doing it for years. Just when there was no Dark Side of the Ring documentary series back in that time, back in those time periods, you know, those decades where Rick was probably carousing around, having the time of his life. But folks, to sum this up, there are a lot of people that know Rick personally. There are a lot of people who've had brief encounters with him, yours truly. Um, backstage, you know, as an extra, just kept giving me the dirty star looks when I was talking to John Cone. What does this have to do with Dutch Mantel's support of him? Rick really hasn't changed over the years. He really hasn't. He either likes you, speaks highly of you, you know, advises you, or he turns into the biggest prick in the whole wide universe. And Mantel's right. Shit really hasn't changed in five decades. See, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, uh, 2010. Yeah, five decades, folks, Rick's been around. He's the only guy I know of that I've heard from other people who know him on a personal level that he is the real-life embodiment of live your gimmick. And again, I will bring this, I will circle this back home. Dutch Mantel, Jim Gornett, others that have come across Rick will tell you good, bad, and ugly. And that what he did on Dark Side of the Rings, uh, Plane Ride or Plane Ride from Hell, or was portrayed or depicted as, doesn't shock anybody. So, folks, that does it for that portion of uh, this little bit of that. On the solo edition of Wrestle Radio Network. Yes, it may be all over the place, folks, but this weekend in wrestling proves one thing that we have a lot of shit to look forward to. Even despite draft being very, very predictable in WWE, it may get a little better, hopefully. I don't really predict anything anytime soon, so it is late, folks. It's way, way late. But thank you for tuning in, you know, for our listeners. And Toronto, Canada, Montreal, Saskatchewan, any province for that matter, Italy, Tokyo, Chicago, Denver, Boston, all the U.S. of A. Thank you for listening to moi and my random ramblings about what else but professional wrestling. Tune in next week and join myself and Pizza Simpson next Saturday. Time to be announced. Also, join me on Wednesday, 10 Eastern, 9 Central, right here on Wrestle Radio Network. Toodles, bitches, I gotta catch some sleep, but thank you all for listening. Tune in. The iTunes episode will be downloaded probably a day. 
and this episode in two hours on Blog Talk Radio. If you didn't catch the uh, live action episode, well, actually, episode live, pushed onwards. Anyways, toodles, good night, bitches. I guess to get some rest. Got a big day ahead of moi. All right, all right. Enough, Quagmire. Gotta say the real send up. If you didn't like what good old Brian Reynolds had to say, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. Just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.